of my heart. <laughs> oh, I think Ventress has got some competition, me boy. Oh, no. Oh, it's getting frisky in the Clone Wars. Give it to me, Babu Frick. <laughs> From the second you showed admiration towards Ventress and Obi-Wan's relationship, oh, I you knew immediately this was thought of Duchess. Oh, that Satine, she is a foxy one. <laughs> I can't wait till Ventress finds out about this and tries to cut his head off. It's going to be so great. (laughs) All right. So how you doing? Good. How are you? What's new? Uh, Not much. I did my first lift ride in over a year today. I thought you were telling me. I was going to ask you about that. I thought you said that your car was too old for it or something like that. Oh, I bought a new car. What? Yeah, I got a Volkswagen. Oh, well, congratulations. You want me to pick you up? Let's go for a ride. Yeah. yeah let's How go for a ride the Jedi. I, I'll just request you. Yeah, you need to pay me. No, I'll pick <laughs> you up. Let's go to that bookstore again soon. We can go to the bookstore, and I'll pick you up in the Jetta. We're taking a clone cast field trip. Yeah. No, I got a Jetta, uh, a used one, uh, like it was 60K miles on it. It was That's kind of like... Bad. No, and it's like, honestly, like, the roommate's out now, so I kind of want to make up that money. But then I was like, well, if you're going to buy a car, then you're going to have a little bit of car payment. So I just got a cheaper car. It's in really good condition. You know, so I'll make some money doing that. I'm not going to do it a ton, but I would like to make some extra cash. Did you get it from a dealership or was it private sale? Dealership. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's in really good shape, though. And I plan, you know, I, generally I'm planning on paying it off earlier than the loan. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to start doing a little bit of lift again. Not nearly as much. Well, that's exciting. I well, and yeah, you, you really enjoyed doing Lyft, too. I don't mind it. You just drive around in circles, although I'm really upset because they changed. 96.3 was like my go-to Lyft station. I tend to just put on the radio when I do Lyft because uh-huh. it's just, I don't know, you know, you, you got your Spotify playlist, and I don't think people want to hear, like, uh, you know, the <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic Yoda. <laughs> your, Lyft, you know? your Lyft passengers wouldn't really enjoy Mull of Kintyre as much no, as us. No, I don't think so. So, like, 96.3. Ooh, Mull of Kintyre. That is a good one. Um, No, but, like, 96.3 Go 96 was, like, my go-to station, right? Because it was just kind of, it was newer rock, but it was stuff that I could get into, too. And it wasn't too mainstream. It's not like some corny-ass 93X fucking hard rock five finger death punch bullshit you know it's like good up and coming bands uh in more of like the indie scene and stuff and guess what so i'm doing my first ride today and you know what they just changed the format of 96.3 and 95.3 what is what they're doing okay so 95.3 was the hip-hop station right yep 96.3 was like the indie slash alt rock station right yeah it is now 
96.3 is Christian rock, and 95.3 is Christian hip-hop. <laughs> I didn't... I didn't know there was enough, like, Christian hip-hop out there to warrant an actual station. Yeah, like, what? How many fucking albums do DC Talk have, you know? That's crazy. So, yeah, so that's ruined for me. So now I got to play fucking goddamn like KDWB and shit. But well, luckily, I, I, I got a $30 bonus for doing one ride because I think it's been since it's been so long since I've done it. They give you like this big bonus for doing a ride this week. Hey, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go get this $30 bonus quick and then I'll turn in for the day. I only want to do one ride. I don't want to do it a ton tonight. Like I was going to wait for the weekend to do it a bit. And uh so, yeah, I mean, uh, picked up a guy and it was really good. We didn't even need the music. I just talked to the guy all the time. He's a cool guy. So, you know, we had a good time. Oh, I, I enjoy this. This is going to be good pod fodder. Oh, yeah. Good fodder. I'm not I'm not doing the late night, though. I refuse. I'm not picking up drunks. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to pick up drunks. I'll do it during the day. And that's it. I have no interest in picking up drunks. I don't need the money that bad. Um, I only want to make a little bit just to make up for the roommate moving out. I'm not trying to pay off a ton of credit cards like I did last time I did this. So well, not great. dealing with drunks. That's not doing great. it. Yeah, we just bitched about all the situation of the world the whole time. It was great. The world's yeah. been great since we last recorded, hasn't it? Oh, good Lord. Man, we live in the fucking thick of it here in Minneapolis. Who knows? We, started, we started a podcast and all of a sudden we're the epicenter of just garbage coming out in the news. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, you know what can you say it's fucked up it's all it's fucked up yeah it's unbelievable i don't know we don't get too political on here but um pretty <laughs> fucked up situation <laughs> that i'm sure we don't get too political yeah, on here yeah, yeah. flash cut to us ranting about communism for yeah the last three episodes <laughs> <laughs> well you know <laughs> That's just going to be my, we're just going to drop that whenever we just completely contradict what we really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucked up. The whole situation is fucked up. What happened to that young man is pretty fucked up to say the least. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's the second time it's happened here in the last year and just chaos ensued and you know, whatever. What can you say? I don't really oh, yeah. want to talk about it that much, but I know. It's fucked I know. Up, I, sad. I feel it's like sad. I, I do feel like you and I share similar uh, conflicting feelings when it comes to this type of thing, because both of us had a similar kind of neoliberal upbringing. Yeah. Where so you, do, you have that knee, knee jerk reaction to be like, well, looting's bad. But you know what? Honestly, like what started the looting? Yeah, I'm to you the know, point. What, I'm to what the was point. the domino effect here? If, I'm to the point cop, where I say fuck it, like no, yeah. like let them have it, like no, this is yeah. this has gone way too fucking far, and the if if all it if what it's going to take is this, then yeah, okay, yeah, and that's, and, that's and, and don't give me the I'm I'm done hearing the you know well this looting has nothing to do with what happened, you know what no it doesn't, but um it does because the only reason it's happening is because that happened. Now you could say the people that are looting are not really making any form of statement or anything. They're just taking advantage of a volatile situation. And that would be true. But you know what? Uh, what caused the volatile situation? Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Cause and effect. If and you... this is this is now the consequences of horribly judged of horrible of horrible actions. You know, this is what's going to happen. Like the precedent has been set. It's time for 
it's time for us to really have a real reckoning about these situations and not turn a blind eye to them. You can only ask nicely so many times. Yes. And then once you start push putting the pressure to things like capital owners, then all of a sudden the people with power may actually speak up and say, Hey, I don't give a shit about the actual cause, but I'm losing money here. So maybe you should just stop shooting innocent people. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. The thought is you attack capital and then capital will finally respond in kind and do something about it. Um, (laughs) You know, and that's what it's kind of with the the virus and everything. You know, anybody that ever told me it was a hoax, I'm like, capital doesn't shut down for a fucking hoax. Like, it doesn't. I'm sorry. It, it, it doesn't. Like, capital does not fucking shut down for hoax. I'm sorry. Yep. It doesn't. Like, business runs unless it can't. Um, <laughs> granted, some businesses, some larger ones really didn't make out good here. But in general, capital does not shut down for hoax. So, sorry. Not a hoax. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, if if protesting isn't getting anything done, then, you know, if some people take advantage of the volatile situation and then finally get the attention of people who have been ignoring it, well, I guess that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of it, but, you know, we, nothing. it's not changing. So something's got to change. Are we under curfew again tonight or was that just the uh, last two nights? I think it was just the last two nights, although I'm not too far from Brooklyn Center where the the epicenter of all this is. So I may be in curfew. I don't know. It's not like I'm going to go anywhere anyways. Well, I was going to ask you about Lyft surge pricing during curfew. (laughs) (laughs) Massive surge pricing for breaking curfew. We'll give you a $50 bonus. Just driving into it. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just I've been pretty depressed the last few days. Like, it's sad. Like, I I don't like... I don't like this stuff happening, especially because I love my hometown. I love the Twin Cities. I really do. You know that. I oh, love absolutely. It here. I adore it. I've always loved it. I've never really had a desire to go anywhere else. And it's just sad for me. And this is what the country sees of us right now. Um, just people being killed for no reason. And, you know, then just the crazy fallout of it all. Um, I think it's a great place to live. I think it's a really open, welcoming community, to be honest, compared to other cities I've seen. Typically, yes. Yeah, but it really is. But from the from the outsider looking in, doesn't appear to be that way. No, recently. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of talking about with the guy in the lift car today. He's originally from Milwaukee, um, and it was he he was a black guy, and he was talking about how much how much more racist it actually was in Milwaukee than what he's experienced here. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I've heard about Milwaukee as well. No offense. Sorry to Milwaukee listeners. And we love you. But (laughs) um, I've spent a good deal of time in Milwaukee. Bree went to grad school there. So she lived there for like five or six years while I was living in Chicago. And it was weekends. It was either her coming to Chicago or me going to to Milwaukee. And yeah, it's a great it's a great town. I loved Milwaukee a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh Um. But yeah, and, and another part of it just seems to be, I, I feel like there's just the amount of diversity in Milwaukee and Chicago is just greater than here. So I don't know if that has something to do The way to do he with was it. describing it, he described Milwaukee as very segregated compared it's to... extremely segregated. He's like, yeah, like, you know, in certain areas of town, there's only black people. Certain areas of town, there's only Asian people. And it, it's very segregated in that way. Whereas he said the Twin Cities, the way he sees in since he's been here, 
Uh, he interacts with more types of people on a daily basis in different communities. Like, uh, you know, there's white, black, Asian, etc. you know, um, all interacting more here. And so he feels like it's better integrated here. Uh, I don't know what the demographics are. I don't know who gives a shit, but that I'm, that's just his experience. And when I was talking to him about it in my car today, so it was yeah. a good conversation and, um, he was really open about discussing his concerns and stuff. So it was cool. Like it was fun. So it's nice. Lyft can be a fun thing to meet people. It was nice to have a, a, a honest conversation for 20 minutes with a stranger again. Like I haven't had that in over a year. You know, I've been I, pretty isolated. So it's fun. It was fun. I, I forget how how much I enjoyed doing that because uh, like it's a cliche. People always say like, I hate people. I can't, I can't stand talking to people and that type of thing. And I've never gotten that. Because I've always loved like, and, and I was in sales for a little bit too, and I would love going to those like networking events just because you meet different people from different backgrounds and stuff. And I always was viewed as the oddball because I always volunteered for going to those things because it was just like shooting the shit with people well, and it was I fun. Think, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to get in that uh, people kind of mood when you kind of cut off from the world for a little bit. Um, especially, and that's probably pretty easy with COVID in the last year of people, you just really haven't interacted with anybody that you're not close with. And, you know, you kind of forget that a human connection is good to meet other people and it makes you feel better about life. And honestly, like I only did the one ride today, but I was glad, I'm glad it was that guy. He was a really cool dude. You know, we come from different backgrounds, but we had a really good conversation with each other. And it, it kind of, you know, I've been depressed the last few days. It's sad seeing the news. Yep. And when, you, you know, having this conversation with him, you just feel better about life. You know, you feel a little bit better. So it was nice. It's nice to get other perspectives. Yeah. Let's let's be idiots now, though. It's just too honest <laughs> yeah, to a conversation. Like we are being. <laughs> it's good to get in touch with your humanity. Oh, God. This dude. podcast what, what about to this podcast. This podcast about week? a child's cartoon has taken a very <laughs> somber turn. I'll give it one of these. <laughs> All right. So, hey, guess what? Do we have uh, exactly the same time warp? <laughs> yeah, so there's no time warp. <laughs> so what you're going to get for a time warp is I'm just going to play this 15-second clip that I love so very much, the number one song in America on January 29th, 2010. So, yeah. She is kicking ass. So Kesha is still number one. Lady Gaga, Bad Romance was number two. Now I dig Bad Romance. Oh, so that's that's. I'm kind of hoping. Out. I'm kind of hoping it all. It you know I love this TikTok, but I would love to play a Bad Romance clip. Uh, but yeah, Avatar is also still holding strong as the number one movie in America. Jeez. Okay. So that that's your time warp for the week. So. Um, very exciting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you got anything else you want to talk about? We got really serious there. Do you got anything uh, a little lighthearted to talk about? Or should uh, we, we, can what save should we do for the next step? Let's just get into the episode. I feel like we got a lot to talk about there. All right. Yeah, let's get into this episode. The Mandalore plot. It's getting good, folks. It's uh, getting good. Do it. Don't want to miss a thing. Cause even 
Hello, Dex. General Kenobi. All right. So this, that was elaborate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got me waiting all fucking night to start recording this thing, and I made it. So I made a second intro. But That's I mean, honestly, like, awesome. Obi Wan is in love, me boy. He is in love. There's not. Oh, much we don't to even. Say. We don't know yet. We don't know. Oh, he they is. seem they to have. Oh, there's they, a little bit of chemistry boiling under there. But no, I they don't got. Know. They got. They got more than chemistry. You know what they got? History. Is what they got. <laughs> All right. Can't run from the past, man. You can't run from the past. You you run into that old love, you know, that old flame. This episode was like tailor made for you. Oh, I that honestly, dude, I need Ventress and Obi Wan to just have some sort of. <laughs> I need an interaction where she is upset with him for paying attention to Satine. I need it. I need it. I need it. <laughs> oh, I need it so bad. Anyways. All right. Um. So, yeah, we got The Mandalore Plot, which is Season 2, Episode 12. As I said earlier, it aired on January 29th, 2010. Kesha was ruling the world, and so was Avatar. <laughs> oh, no! Why does it keep doing this? God damn! All right. We really got to get this... you one of those switchboards. <laughs> I need something that doesn't just fire off clips at random. Like, <laughs> Gaster's not been your friend as of late. It's like it randomly decides the second intro, it always randomly decides to play on repeat. And I don't have any that's like three weeks in a row that it's done that, isn't it? I mean, yes, I will gladly is. I will gladly listen to my beautiful intro once more. Did you notice how I put in the dwarf getting hit with an arrow? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love it. God. You know what we should do? I should play the clip with the dwarf getting hit. Or I'm gonna try let's see if I can do this live really quick, okay? Let's see if I can do this. Just bear with me a moment while I have some fun. I know we were supposed to get into the episode, but let's just see if I can do this and time this perfectly, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Should we talk about this episode? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I've been waiting a long time for this one. Okay. All right. So, the Mandalore plot. Um, the episode starts with our announcer guy, and he is letting us know about the Council of Neutral Systems. And there are rumors that Mandalore, which is part of the Council of Neutral Systems, is building their own army to side with the Separatists. Uh, the Mandalorians are currently led by a woman by the name of Duchess Satine. And Adam, do you want to drop any Duchess Satine knowledge on us off the top here? I'm going to save that for another episode. Okay, fair enough. Um, um, but it, it, they did say the Council of Neutral Systems are made up of over 1,500 systems. So that is a whole lot of Switzerland's yeah. uh, hanging out in the galaxy there. Breaking news, the galaxy is big. Okay? <laughs> um, very large. Um, basically, Obi-Wan is heading to Mandalore on... Um, He's been commissioned by the Jedi Council, not by the Senate, to do this. He's going to Mandalore to look into these allegations. Um, and we quickly find out that Obi-Wan may have a history with Duchess Satine. <laughs> I like when he arrives. Okay, so he arrives in Mandalore. And my first my first note of Mandalore, so it's um, the cities and the, the settlements are in orbs. 
I guess bubbles, yeah. and it's very Rodian because Ro- And when you remember, when we go back to Rodia in the god awful <laughs> episode. I've, what, Gungan, what is it fucking called? Dude, I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> I blocked it out. I did it. I blocked it out. I what think was it was Bombad Jedi. There it is. That yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's my dog shit drop. Of it the was week. the fart swamp episode. Yeah, <laughs> they were also in bubbles, so they're oh. you know. They I were, love that a, was the I only love thing. a good bubble city. Yeah, that was the only thing about that episode that was good. Luckily, there's more in this one that's good than this the so, bubble city. And that was one of the things. So, this episode, it's our first opportunity to really expand the scope on Mandalore and what the Mandalorian culture is. Um, and from my digging and my research, what I figured out is from the expanded universe there has just been a hodgepodge of because people when boba fett hit the scene in empire strikes back like he was the breakout star and people had been obsessed with that character ever since i don't get it and well i do he's a cool looking character um actually so like another argument about this before Logi- yes, we have. Logistically, I don't, I, I don't get Boba Fett. Sorry, don't get it. Logistically, I think another reason why there's a special kind of like allure to him was before the movie, he was a special release action figure by Kenner, the the company that had the the monopoly on Star Wars toys, and they couldn't for whatever reason they couldn't produce the Boba Fett action figure figure yet. So you could buy like a certificate that said you would get it when they were able to produce it. So he had this like air of mysticism around just like his freaking action figure. So I think from that onward, it kind of like spurred this allure to him. Um, sure. But from that, there have been so many crazy like expanded universe novels and the Mandalorians have like popped up in different like different iterations in different books, and I feel like the Clone Wars when they got the green light to take on Mandalore, they Dave Filoni in an interview talked about when George Lucas came in and said that he wanted him to do Mandalore. Dave Filoni like grabbed a pile of paperwork and like brought it and set it in front of George and said, "This is what." Mandalore is currently because he had documented like every reference to Mandalore in the expanded universe and like video games and all of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's up to him and the Clone Wars creative team to kind of take all of that and make sense of it. So there's a hell of a lot of retconning that's going on. Um, And the the planet appears to be a barren desert and they're living in these bubble cities. Yeah. And that is because back uh, 738 BBY, there was an event. BBY is before the Battle of Yavin. Yes. Yeah. There is an event that's referred to as the Mandalorian Excision. And there was a... Mandalore has a huge history. But... Just Cliff Notes version, the planet of Mandalore was very uh, rich in in natural resources. It had forests. It had 
lakes. It had rivers. It was a very lush planet. They do they do flirt with that in this episode as well. They give you and a little bit of that. So there there have been multiple civil wars and a ton of different stuff. They've had tension with the Republic in the past. And they reached a point where they never joined the Republic and they always wanted to stay independent. And the Republic always wanted them to join or work with them. And they always resisted that. This is just fucking America. And it reached a point. It reached a point where uh, the Republic was kind of weakened from. I, I think it was the New Sith War or the New Sith uh, Rebellion or something like that. Uh, so the 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 Republic was kind of weakened, and Mandalore was building up because they remained in, independent. So they had really built up this huge army, and this they started becoming this larger industrial industrialized middle military center and the Republic didn't like that. So they uh, dispatched a special squad of like troopers and Jedi that led these troopers to basically take down Mandalore. And this event that's referred to as the Mandalorian excision, it's, it's, so far, at least from what I've seen, it's it, there's nothing definitive as what caused it. But for the most part, the, the Republic just decimated the planet. They had their their star cruisers outside the planet just bombard it with lasers and cannons and whatever. And they turned the surface of the planet into this white sand barren desert. And it's... The only way that you can live on the surface of the planet now is in these hermetically sealed bubbles that their cities are built in. So that's why a lot of the Mandalorians don't like the Republic and they don't like Jedi. So many of these Star Wars planets are just what Elon Musk is going to do to Mars <laughs> one day with a bunch of rich people and they'll fly off with our blood and live forever. Um, so when you said... That you had done some digging, uh, you weren't lying, brother. That was a, that was that was like a five minute chat. That where you just talked about Mandalorian. That is scratching the surface. That oh, is they barely they, they test. That is barely touching the history of Mandalore in their history with Coruscant in the Republic in the Jedi in the Sith. It's it's super interesting, but it's very convoluted. Well. I don't have much to add to that. You seem to have covered it all. I just wrote down Mandalore is boxy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When when Obi-Wan goes in the biosphere, the first thing I notice when he gets on the transport and he's going to the Duchess's whatever palace, whatever you want to call it. It's just like it's like a it looks boxy, like the, the design of everything is boxy. Even like the trees in there are boxy. It's like Minecraft. Yeah, I wrote down the trees look like they belong in Minecraft. Yeah, um, it's Minecraft. This was a precursor to Minecraft. But no, they they designed A-fold it that when way. he created Minecraft. They designed it that way intentionally. Like it's meant to be very uh clinical and very the Mandalorian people are meant to be seen as very clean and very uh yeah, clinical. Just just not a whole lot of fringe, straight lines, that type of thing. Sure. Um, well, Obi-Wan arrives. Do we have a name for the city or is it just Mandalore? Yes. And it's Mandalore, um, Bi- Mandalore Biosphere 1. That up. 
Well, it also Anyways. reminded me of uh, that. Do you remember the the smash hit bio biodome with? Oh, uh, don't even get me started on that <laughs> fucking movie. I love that fucking movie. And in fact, I love that movie so much. You're gonna get yourself a free mahi mahi now. I was up on the couch trying to take down the mahi mahi. It's free, free mahi mahi, free mahi mahi, if you will, and then kaboom. What Baldwin Baldwin brother was that? Steven. That's the one. He's the Trump one. Yeah, he's the one that went <laughs> off the rails. Yep. Uh, well, the, to be fair, Alec has always been a bit off the rails. Not sure if you've heard those voicemails, but the, it, that's uh, neither here nor there. Hey, who among us has not referred to our daughter as a little piggy girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, the capital city, by the way, is Sundari. Sundari. So they're on Sundari. So that's the capital biosphere. Okay. Um, okay, so Obi-Wan arrives on Sundari, and he gets greeted by a Mandalore guard who's like, uh, the Duchess is w- expecting your arrival, and Obi-Wan gives just this great little line where he's like, oh, I wouldn't want to keep the Duchess waiting, and he's just... <laughs> Obi-Wan has a couple of sassy lines in this episode. Oh, the Duchess brings out sassy Obi-Wan, for sure. <laughs> like, like I said, they got a history. They got a history. Um, so he arrives at Duchess Satine's chambers, and her chambers are great. She has a lot of natural light. She even has a Picasso. Um, it looks great That's, in there. Yeah. Um, yes. A lot of the design aspects of this are, like, I just think it's so cool. Like, they, you can tell that they really went all out, and they're trying to... There's something different about this world. Like, they're trying to build something yes. that lasts and, and for trying good to give reason, it character like, you always you know as a star wars fan you know you've always heard about the mandalorians like like you know you just went on a five minute rant about the very you know just the endless history that goes with the mandalorian people so they're really trying to present something to that's you that's the they're, thing that i think is so cool though is in all of the expanded uni- universe everybody's tried to tackle it but there's been no common thread there's been no constant it's just kind of all over the place. And I think Clone Wars is approaching it as, okay, it's been all over the map. We need to actually put down on paper what Mandalore is, sure, what Mandalore has been, and what Mandalore is going to be. Yeah. And that's from the what, reason why I love this, now, this from arc. What, from what I've read of the Mandalorians, right, um, especially in the Revan novel, um, and some of the, the Knights of the Old Republic game, there's uh, some Mandalorian stuff in there. And I did not expect it to look like this, to be perfectly honest. Yep. I thought it would be more of a tribal thing because um, in the Revan book, um, the Mask of Mandalore was on this planet. And Revan had left it there when him and Malak, you know, went off the rails because um, yep. the, the Republic was at war with Mandalore and the Sith. Um, and so Revan goes with one of his, I forget fucking guy's name i should have looked it up before this but anyways he goes off to hunt for the mask of mandalore um and they're all like these different tribes of mandalore and whoever gets the mask of mandalore is going to be like the head tribesman and will be you know will be the de facto king or queen of mandalore and so yep i don't know it's just like i didn't you know i didn't think it was like so it just seemed a lot different than what I thought than yeah. what it ended up being. It's like this sleek city. I did not expect that. I thought it was going to be like a Dothraki thing from Game of yeah. Thrones, yep. you know? 
Yeah, and, and that's what you should expect from from previous iterations. Yeah. And so where their history, again, I'm going to get this kind of inaccurate in certain spots, but the history of Mandalor, where it started, it started on Coruscant. And the native species on Coruscant were two species called the, the Tong and the Zell. And the Zell were humans that just lived on Coruscant. And the Tong were this alien species that were very vicious and were a warrior culture. Um, and there was some kind of something happened on Coruscant. This is before like the cities were built. There's a big volcanic eruption that uh, the, the Tong saw their opportunity to take power from the Zell and the Zell ended up kicking their asses anyway and forced the Tong to leave Coruscant and that's when they went out into the galaxy and they found a min- mineral-rich planet, which ended up being Mandalore. Uh, but it was inhabited by these these giant beasts called mythosaurs. Okay. <laughs> They're giant. I know. It's it's crazy. It's the, the, I, I got to stop you. I got to stop you. We should just make this the first lore cast episode if you're going to keep going like this. I'll, I'll this try to. Insane. I'll try to. I'll try to narrow it down. But just the, the mythosaurs. <laughs> the mythosaurs. They're uh, the giant dragon-looking things. Um, it's it's you know Boba Fett's sigil or the skull that you see. Yeah, it's a mythosaur. It's a mythosaur. And the Mandalors when they landed on Mandalore, they named it that, and they saw that beast, and they said, "Oh, this." This is a sign this planet was meant for us because only the greatest warriors could take down the species. So naturally, they decimated that species and made it <laughs> extinct. Um, but they have a very unique kind of outlook where the Jedi are about balance. Uh, the Sith kind of like kind of veer into emotions. And the Mandalorians, I feel like, are kind of the same type of thing where they're not because they're not a specific species. It's a culture that is yeah. Mandalore. So there's yes. humans, there's any, anybody could be a Mandalorian, just like anybody could be a Jedi. I'm telling um, you, this is America, but it's, <laughs> it's been, America. it's been interpreted. What the difference between the Jedi and the Mandalorians, or the difference between the Jedi and the Sith and the Mandalorians, Jedi and Sith both are very dedicated in what that is, and they keep the ranks kind of on that same page, where the Mandalorians seem to splinter a lot. So that causes a lot of f- factions to break off. And when the what being a Mandalorian, quote unquote, means all of a sudden changes a group of people might not agree with that and decide to split off and do something else, which is what we see later in this episode. Um, But after this planet got decimated, after it turned into the white sand beach that we see, that's when a group of Mandalorians came to power, which are still in power in this episode. And they're basically there. They, they decided that the warriors ways of the past were dumb and it's only brought destruction and death upon them. So they still, they agree with warriors ways, but only to preserve uh, their way of life. So they don't, they want to use it kind of like the Jedi as for knowledge and defense, not for attack. 
Um, and so that's who remains in power. And that's pissed off a lot of the Mandalorians who view their culture as, no, being a Mandalorian means you attack. You're a warrior. You need to attack. Um, so I think that's what you're getting at, where the city that we're seeing is after hundreds of years of these pacifist Mandalorians being in power, they've actually been able to create commerce in a city and that type of thing. Yeah, it's very sleek. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We are Clean at 36 lines. minutes. We are at 36 minutes. Oh, God. Okay. I knew this was oh. going to be a long episode. Oh, it is a chibata. I'm going to have to pee during this episode, by the way. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get... Let's see if I don't pee myself before we I get are, to my first audio I just clip. looked at the episode. We are a minute and a half in. <laughs> <laughs> I love these ones. I love these ones where we just never get to it. Okay, so Obi-Wan, he ends up at Satine's chambers. And as he walks in, he's greeted by a guy by the name of Prime Minister Almick. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a boomer looking guy. He's a guy. He's a guy. Um and Obi-Wan's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm here. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors going around, and uh, we've had an issue with a Mandalorian saboteur. Um, and he proceeds to tell Obi-Wan, well, all the warrior warriors were exiled to the moon of Concordia years ago. There's no way that we have any Mandalorian saboteurs. And Obi-Wan's like, well, I did encounter a person in Mandalorian armor by the name of Jango Fett, and Almec freaks out and says he doesn't know how that bounty hunter got a hold of that armor. Uh, Jango Fett is a Mandalorian as far as I know. Well, I've so never heard any different. It's been it's been debated. It has been it, that's been a big thing in like people that follow Star Wars lore for a very long time because it's never stated that he is a Mandalorian in the prequels. It's only stated that he's wearing Mandalorian armor and he's a bounty hunter. Sure. So a lot of people especially when the Mandalorian came out over the last couple of years. Uh, it's still been a subject of debate whether Boba Fett is a Mandalorian or if he's just wearing armor. And it well, wasn't until this last season when Boba Fett explained where his father came from that yeah. it became canon that Jango Fett was actually a Mandalorian because yes. he was saved by a Mandalorian much like... Uh, the actual character in the show. Yeah. Um, so uh, it is entirely possible that Almec assumed that Jango Fett was not a Mandalorian. He may not have known much about him. Uh, well, I just thought it was, it was an interesting line. And I like that they mentioned Jango Fett. Yeah. It's kind of cool how they tie everything together. And he's like the chief of staff of a pacifist duchess. So, yes. of course, he's trying to distance himself from people like bounty hunters and scoundrels and that type of thing. Yes. Um, so as they are wrapping up their little conversation, the Duchess enters and here's my first audio clip of the week. It's Duchess and Obi-Wan Kenobi reunited and it feels so good. Let's take a listen. Well, Master Kenobi, my shining Jedi Knight to the rescue once again. After all these years, you're even more beautiful than ever. Kind words from a man who accuses me of treachery. I would never accuse you of personal wrongdoing, Duchess. However, a Separatist saboteur attacked one of our Republic cruisers. A Mandalorian saboteur. They got the best sounding guns. They really do. God, I love their guns. It's great. 
That's just so right there. That was Obi Wan showing up. It's ho- just, security cam hollow footage of this Mandalorian saboteur that attacked a Republic cruiser. The effort that they take to make certain things unique. That's those are the things that stand out. And like those are Mandalorian guns right away. Yeah, you know that's a Mandalorian and gun, and he's in the full consistent. Mandalorian armor. It's yes. a consistent brand, which is yep. like that's why I really dig it. Yep. And then Obi-Wan says, uh, this saboteur, we couldn't find anything out about them because they took their own life rather than submitting to questioning. So hardcore. Um, The Duchess becomes super upset and says, clearly the Senate is trying to interfere with Mandalorian affairs. And Mandalore, you know, especially with the Republic in the midst of this big war with the Separatists, the Duchess is super pacifistic. She wants nothing to do with the war. So the Senate, she gets this vibe that, hey, if the Senate's trying to interfere in my affairs here, this is really bothering me. Um, Obi-Wan immediately notifies her like, no, this investigation was actually ordered by the Jedi Council. And once he tells her that, she kind of acquiesces a little bit and lightens up to him. And she says, let's go for a stroll. And I love it when she says, hey, let's go for a walk and talk because she sticks her hand out like a princess or something. And (laughs) Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan has to walk up. So he walks up a couple steps to her throne and takes her by the hand and like leads her out on this walk. This is just like, oh, man, this is the shit Obi-Wan was made for. He is a fancy lad since day one. So this type of shit is perfect. Honestly, like. Obi-Wan Kenobi is true British royalty, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> none of this Prince Philip shit, you know? Obi-Wan Kenobi, he, he, he comes from a long line of royalty. Would you not guess? I would guess. He's a very regal <laughs> man. Although, He's a regal man. Although his past is kind of debated, too. Like, have you ever heard the story about his home world and where that came from? I have to pee really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's take a little break. We'll use that as a teaser, and then I'll tell you about that when we get back. Yeah, I'm going to play the music. We'll see you in a minute. Okay, so where were we? You're going to tell me a story about Obi-Wan's home. Yeah, so there's not much on (laughs) Obi-Wan and where he came from uh, and if he's royalty or not. Um, But (laughs) he was born on the River Thames. This is going to make you this is going to make you very upset. Um, No, then don't tell me. So Obi-Wan, it was revealed by George Lucas what his home world was called. When he, George Lucas was uh, being interviewed by Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. Uh And I think Jon Stewart just asked him about Obi-Wan and said something just off the cuff. It was like, we don't even know, like, where where did Obi-Wan come from? Like, what's his home world? We've never heard that. And George Lucas just looked at him and said, oh, he's from a planet called Stujan. (laughs) And that is now canon. Like, he's from a planet... Called Stu John because George Lucas looked at oh, John God Stewart. Damn it! <laughs> just made it up. Come on! <laughs> God! <sighs> Seriously? Yes. If you look up on Wikipedia, it says that Obi Wan's home world is Stu John, and there's not a whole lot of background to it, but. That story's on there. One Kenobi Wikipedia. Here we go. One second here. I don't believe you yet. 
Okay. Obi. Oh my God. All right. Born on Stew John. <laughs> oh my God, dude! This fucking guy. He just. It's simultaneously. It it. It's why I love and hate Star Wars. Is for this type of shit. It's like I love the fact that it exists and just an off the cuff remark all of a sudden means something forever and i'm also so frustrated by it i mean it honestly there's so much stuff that is just the sifo-dyas phenomena <laughs> we know, talked about the sifo-dyas phenomena before so sifo-dyas if we talked about in a previous episode like um when they were doing the attack of the clone script it was originally calling for sidious to be the one who ordered the manufacturing of the clone army. But one of the, the whoever was that was writing up the script or whatever. It was a misprint. Accident, it was a misprint. They accidentally typed in something like sifo And then George Lucas just like immediately on the spot retconned the entire fucking thing. It was just like, no, we'll go with that. I like, like that. sifo That sounds good. <laughs> and and from, just that like, point, from that point, now that's spurred on, I don't, countless comics uh sifo is mentioned in the clone wars a thousand times like he's in the plague he, <laughs> as you get further into the plagueis book he is all over that fucking yep. thing and, and a lot of it is damask uh plagueis like trying to like goad him in the direction of like manufacturing this clone army with the kaminoans if you think about so it's it it's like it's like george lucas playing with his power he yes. has this power where he can just make a Say decision things. and all of a sudden like hundreds of books are printed. Is he not like he's like the Donald Trump of like sci-fi? Like but he's just I like he fact... just says shit and it becomes like <laughs> like a whole like oh okay all right. But the craziest thing, shit. the thing, the reason why I like him is because he still just dresses in jeans in a polo or in a button-down flannel and that's it. Like he hasn't let any of it really corrupt him that much. <laughs> Are you giving me the billionaire? Will they dress like us talk? Is that what you're giving no, me right now? No, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, he's still the same. He seems like the same type of moron I, that he yeah. was <laughs> in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. It's just funny because it's just like the sifo thing was a fucking typo. It's supposed to be Sidious. And then instead of just being like, oh, well, that was Sidious's guys, like his cover for when he was talking to the, the cloners. No, they literally create a Jedi master by the name of sifo it. it. It's it goes rogue and just, ah, uh, okay. Woo. Okay. So the Duchess says, hey, it's good to see you again when they're on their little walk. And it's like, oh, see you again, huh? So we do have a history here. Um, she mentions that the saboteur was most likely from this group called Death Watch, um, which is a group, a small group of renegades that um, are not fans of the peaceful, uh, the peaceful state that she is attempting to build. They want to go back to the warrior roots um, and they have tracked them to where else? The moon of Concordia, where they sent all the warriors all those years ago that they thought died off. <laughs> Shocking. You know, oh, they're on Concordia where we sent all those fucking insane warriors 20 years ago or whatever it was. Um, so um, we get to Concordia um, and wait, wait a second here. It shows Concordia. Um, OK, I, I got confused for half a second. Rewind. OK, so. 
They then cut to Concordia and they show us like a shot of this moon Concordia, which is an inhabitable moon. Um, and it looks like camouflage, I guess, is the yeah. best way to put yep. it from space. It literally looks like it looks like fucking Boba Fett's armor. Like, that's the color of it. It's got the little bit of the brown and it's the dark forest green. Color, color scheme. Yeah. yeah. And we get this guy in Mando armor at this little base speaking to who else? Okay, so before I tell you, well, you already know, so this doesn't even make sense. It would just be nice to have, like, depressed Kenobi or somebody here. <laughs> You're like, hey, who do you think this guy was talking to on the hollow? <laughs> it's fucking Dooku. How, dude, what percent of Dooku's scenes are him on a fucking hollow? It's got to be like 80%. Oh, it's insane. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Um, But let's take a listen to this. So this is a guy in Mandalorian armor speaking to Count Dooku, and they are conspiring. This is the Death Watch conspiring with the Separatists. I cannot understand. Oh, come on, Zencaster. I cannot understand why the arrival of this Jedi doesn't upset you. You promised to support the Death Watch forces so we could overthrow the Duchess Satine and her weak, peace-loving government. And I intend to keep my promise. But how? If the Republic interferes now, Death Watch will not be able to take over the planet. Consider, once the Senate orders peacekeeping troops to Mandalore, the people will be surrounded by a military presence most distasteful. They will rebel. <laughs> and rally to Death Watch. Our insurgency will grow stronger. Yes, and Duchess Satine shall fall. Most distasteful. That's another um, thing that I, I do find interesting about the Mandalorians, too, is like they do, for a very long time, they've been fractured as a culture. And it also seems like multiple other political influences have noticed that and used it to their advantage, which is one of the reasons why they can't seem to come together cohesively as a culture anymore is just because there's this constant external influence pulling one faction at one way and another faction, another way. So a culture Um, war of sorts. Yeah. Yep. So it's America. I, I can I continue to believe that Mandalore is just like a. It's basically America. Like well, the in way this it case, is. it would be like us uh, influencing Guatemala. <laughs> like, okay, we would right. be Dooku in this example. Oh, okay, fair enough. I see what you're saying. Okay, um, so after that little scene there, uh, we get back to Obi Wan and Duchess taking their peaceful little walk around Minecraft land. Um, And they are debating, they're having this interesting debate about what a peacekeeper is, this and that. Like Obi-Wan, I would for most, honestly, I mean, he defends himself, but he seems to be a very peaceful guy. Like I would not consider Obi-Wan a violent man on any level, but the vibe that Duchess is putting off towards him, because she is super pacifist. Like she is the kind of pacifist where you could like punch her in the face and she probably would be like, oh, 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 yeah. okay. Jury's out on if she's Lerman level pacifist, yeah. but she's she's inc- she's getting up there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just like just put like one plate of food and lock her and the Lerman guy in the same room, right? And just <laughs> they're gonna have to fight over that one piece of food. The loser dies. Like they would just both <laughs> choose to starve to death and die. <laughs> I'm not doing it, you miss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking guy. I miss him. <laughs> I hope we see him again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's like super pacifist and she's kind of like goading Obi-Wan like, oh, is this so peace is whatever the Jedi's find convenient, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And so 
I don't know. She doesn't. It's not that she disrespects Obi-Wan. I just kind of think she sees some bullshit in the whole Jedi peacekeeper thing. She, yeah, it's either all or nothing. Like if you if you're if you're aggressive at all, like even in defense, she finds that to be extremely abhorrent. Well, and other people have pointed out the fact that the Jedi are being used at this point as like soldiers is kind of hypocritical. Some people have pointed out it out in earlier episodes and she's just kind of pushing the issue on Obi-Wan himself. Yeah. And Obi-Wan would probably argue like, Hey, we are attempting to keep peace. We have an aggressive faction that is attacking innocent people and we're trying to keep the peace. Uh, But as far as it, it, that 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 argument doesn't fly with the Duchess. Um, so as they're debating what a peacekeeper is, all of a sudden there is this like massive explosion in this kind of um, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a park area, I would say. Um, and left at the explosion site is this like hologram, and the hologram is what is the Death Watch sign. So they know that the Death Watch is behind this. Very interesting that they can leave holograms. Like it's like a it's a calling card. <laughs> Yeah, it's a calling card, but it it's is, just it, like it kind of it's like they took inspiration from the Monster Energy Drink logo. Like that was the yeah. the Death Watch logo. It's like a gothic Monster Energy Drink <laughs> logo. <laughs> um so Obi-Wan's like you have to get out of your duchess and bring you back and then he tells like the guards in the area like keep everyone here. I want to interview everybody in the area. Um and when he says that, suddenly this guy like freaks out and starts running off. Obi-Wan sees him running off and starts chasing him. Um, so the guy runs off into like this balcony area, uh, of this, I don't know, park area, I guess. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's probably about, I don't know, probably 50 feet off the ground, this balcony area that they're on. Uh, he begins to fire at Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan defends himself to flex some shots and disarms the guy. Um, the guy attempts to attack Obi-Wan, but e- Obi-Wan easily defends himself. Um, and then, uh, as Obi-Wan's like, I do not want to hurt you. I just want to talk. And the Duchess kind of runs down to see what, see what's going on. And as that's going on, the guy decides to throw himself off the balcony to his death. And I'm going to play this clip for you here. Kalhava broken. Down. Plop. And he, he, it's, it's a spectacle. <laughs> it's great. I got more here. We're going to listen to more. Plop! He's still alive. It's whispering to Duchess Satine. What is he saying? Daddy, said not me him. Kikadi, nor me him. He was speaking in the dialect they use on Concordia, our moon. Okay, so and so the way that he kills himself too is very—he's meant to. It's very intentional. He he, he basically does a backflop off of yeah. It's a symbolic <laughs> off of yeah. the balcony. It's a statement suicide. Which, basically. The way that it was shot, I really liked. Like it's it's very well shot. It is and really well shot. They got their message across. Honestly, though, like the plop when he hits the ground kind of takes me out of the moment because it was just like I, I laughed at the plop. Like every, I watched the plop like three times and I laughed every time. So <laughs> I just thought it was fucking great. The plop. But Again, it's a really 
Kids show. We're watching yeah, a kids, kids show. show. <laughs> I'm just surprised he was able to have a conversation with her before he died. Like he was, <laughs> he was still conscious for like 20 seconds. And it was before his lungs completely collapsed. He was able yeah. to make out those words. Oh, he plopped hard, my friend. <laughs> he plopped very hard. Um, so Obi-Wan and Satine are going to be going to Concordia. They're going to take the body back there. Um, the Mandalorians are that very... Was, uh, <laughs> I almost want to start doing a segment called line of the week, which is every once in a while, there's just a line that's isolated that I, I just find so funny And this week. It was Obi-Wan saying, I shall like to visit this moon of yours. <laughs> Perhaps I could accompany the body. <laughs> um, so Satine's going with him. Um, it's probably for the best because she thinks they might be a little hostile towards Obi-Wan. One, he's a Jedi. And two, he was just involved in an interaction where one of the uh, one of the people from the moon of Concordia threw themselves to their death. So Satine is going to go with him as kind of the arbiter between him and the Concordians. Um, so the Mandalorian ship takes off. They leave Orb City um, and we see Concordia again, a shot of it. And while we're looking at the shot of it, Satine explains to Obi-Wan that it was once an agricultural sentiment. Uh, settlement, excuse me, before being converted into a mining base. Um, but the forests are regrowing now because uh, they believe that all these mining bases that were ultimately used as like instruments of war have been shut down. So there is some like tree life that's returning to it, but it, it is still also kind of desolate. So it's it's like it's in this weird like middle ground between between being like a forest planet and a, you know, this place that's been ravaged by just industry. Yeah. And a couple of things I saw on online had talked about how they tried to kind of model it after uh, Easter Island, you know, the, the island in the Southeast Pacific, like yeah. off the coast of Peru that has the giant heads on it. Sure. Um, like the, that had a thriving civilization on it, but they basically killed themselves because they just chopped down all of the trees on the island and took every natural resource on the island and built houses with it or ate it and did nothing to replenish it. And the whole sure. civilization collapsed. And I think that's that's what they were kind of going for with this civilization as well. Okay. Yeah, sure. I can totally see that. Um, they land in a hangar. This is probably my second favorite hangar that we've gotten so far. I think Naboo hangar is still number one, but Concordia hangar is pretty good. Solid hangar's got some speeders in there, uh, but Naboo hangar still is the best hangar. Um, no Captain Typho either in this hangar. Instead, we get some <laughs> guy named Governor Vizla, who is an absolute soy boy for a Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm sorry, like his voice, it's just, he's goofy. Um, and I, I, I didn't point the voice at first. I was like, I have heard this voice before. Um, I'm going to ask I, you about it. I know who it is at this point, but I, I guessed at first, like Fred Armisen, Bill Hader, <laughs> like, who is this? <laughs> who is this man? Um, so um, they're greeted by Governor Visla. Um, and shortly after the greeting, Obi-Wan kind of pulls the team to the side and says, hey, you go keep him busy at dinner. I'm going to go investigate one of these abandoned mining facilities. I'm curious just how abandoned they are. Um, so he leaves a comm device for Satine. And so like a little earpiece that she puts in. So he it's can still the, uh, with her. the Motorola circa 2003. 
Yeah, we're getting a little better though. It's not as big as your standard Bluetooth headset. It's more of a it's more of an earpiece. It's it's I, I'd say we're starting to approach earbuds. We're starting to <laughs> yeah. approach earbuds. Um, so Obi Wan is at this mining facility and he goes into kind of this production area and he's like, "Well, it sure doesn't seem abandoned, and it definitely isn't because there's a hell of a lot of Mandalore armor and weapons being manufactured here." Um, while he's kind of observing all this stuff, he is suddenly attacked from behind by a Mandalorian soldier. So. When I say Mandalorian soldier, just know that it's a guy that looks like, you know, about a Boba Fett, a Django Fett. He's he's got the full he's Mandalorian got the traditional armor. armor. Yeah. Yeah. Very badass looking. Um, Obi-Wan kind of handles him. But as he's fighting with him, another Mandalorian runs in and kind of grabs Obi-Wan by the arm and gives him a big tug and injures Obi-Wan. And then they just knock Obi-Wan to the floor and kick him in the face and knock him out. So Obi-Wan has been subdued by these two Mandalorian soldiers at this factory. And before they subdue him, he tries to kind of neutralize the situation by saying he's there with Duchess Satine or on the orders of Duchess Satine. And one of the Mandalorian soldiers just says, we don't recognize her rule. So it's just showing that they're completely consider themselves independent from the rule of the current ruler of Mandalore. Yeah, and so these are the Death Watch. So these are the Death Watch that we were shown briefly earlier, and they do not recognize her at all. They do not like Satine. They could give a shit. In fact, Obi-Wan saying he's here on the Duchess's orders is probably a hindrance to him. Um, So at dinner, Governor Vizsla and Satine are discussing the Death Watch. Um, Obi-Wan awakens, and he's suspended upside down on an interesting energy field in kind of the, uh, the, in this conveyor belt of this production line at this plant. Um, as he's suspended upside down, he uses um, his little comm to get a hold of Satine with her earbud Bluetooth. And um, he's like, hey, you got to come help me. I'm kind of uh, in between a rock and a hard place here. You gotta come <laughs> help me out. Take a speeder. Let's go. So she kind of fumbles around trying to talk to the governor and him at the same time and then quickly excuses herself from dinner. And she gets moving pretty quick. She takes a speeder to the mine. Um, and she arrives just as Obi-Wan is about to get flattened by some sort of industrial machine. I don't really know what the purpose was. It looks like it was mining. It was like creating some ore or something. Yeah. Out of these, so, so they're breaking rocks or something. The big, the big mineral that they found on that planet before, like when the Mandalorians arrived and there's still mythosaurs all around, uh, the mineral that they found was Beskar. And I'm ah. assuming that's the mineral they're mining on Concordia too. Um, Beskar is a type of metal that is extremely strong, but it's still pliable. Um, so anyone that's seen the Mandalorian TV show on Disney plus knows what this is. Um, but it's so strong that it can take multiple blasts from a blaster. It can also resist lightsabers for a certain amount of time. I mean, we have seen, uh, the Mandalorian just like straight up run through blaster shots yeah. with this shit on. Yep. Um, so it's yeah, a very, so very, very strong metal that yeah. they can still yeah. ply. It's it's sure. flexible enough to be molded yeah. into armor. So they don't sell you what the they don't tell you what the ore is, but uh, I think you're probably spot on there. That's got to be Beskar because they're mining all this Mandalorian armor. They're making all this manufacturing all this Mandalorian armor there too. So um, it's got to be that. Um, so Satine arrives and she sets off an alarm at the entrance, and the two guards that had subdued Obi-Wan run off to check it. Um, and while they run off, she sneaks into the factory. 
Um, and then we get some Satine and Obi-Wan hilarity back and forth as they kind of like <laughs> half flirt with each other as he's about to be just crushed to smithereens. So let's listen to that clip. Well, it certainly took you long enough. You know, I haven't saved you yet. Yes, no need to remind me of that. Be patient. I happen to be a bit short on patience right now. That's sassy, Obi-Wan. Let's see. <laughs> One of these. Satine, turn the machine off! I'm trying! Satine! She stopped it just in time, right as he was about just to Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. And it really wouldn't have made much sense storyline-wise if Obi-Wan was crushed to his death here. It would have been very confusing uh, going forward in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that's the problem with prequels. Yeah. Um, so, uh, right as she saved him, though, the two guards returned and they apprehend her. Um, Obi-Wan drops free, though, and he does this very fancy, like, kickflip off of these gears that he was about to fall into. Um, and as he does this kickflip off and he flies into one of the Mandalorians that's restraining Satine and he just kind of gives, like, a beast to Liu Kang flying kick that, like, <laughs> you know, that thing. So you'll hear that. Now, <laughs> um, and so Obi Wan. Now he's got a, you know, he he knocks them both unconscious, and they escape into this freight elevator. So they get into the freight elevator, and she remarks something to him like, "Oh, for somebody who claims to be a peacekeeper, you sure do love fighting, or something." It's like. I'm not seeing Obi-Wan like getting off on this right now. Like yeah. he's defending himself, but it's not like he's like, oh God, that was so hot when that I kicked that guy that, in the face. That was the thing that kind of took me out of it too, is she kind of emphasizes or she alludes to him really taking pleasure in killing people or violence. And I've always seen Obi-Wan as kind of reluctantly going into battle. Like he yeah. never turns away from it, but he really doesn't like, jump into the opportunity and revel in it god I, I mean even like a couple weeks ago we saw him fighting with grievous and there's so many times within that fight that i was like obi-wan could just kill him right now like he's just gonna kill the guy like it just it, it seemed off like if she thinks he is this like warmonger like wait till you meet anakin jesus yeah. lady it's like, like come it's, on it's like she doesn't know him at all it's like, yeah, it's like it's like they knew each other a long time ago and they both changed so much. And now they're being thrown back together and we're going to get all this sexual tension for four seasons. That's what I think's going to happen. Um, so uh, the elevator opens up to this outdoor area of the compound. This is not the entrance. This is like the interior of the compound. So it's like this like uh, it's like this mountain range and circles into the middle. And so it's there. This freight elevator did not take them the hell out of there. It took them deeper into this compound. And the door's um, open and there's a guard standing right there. And we get yeah. a great double punch from Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi-Wan gives him the old heave-ho and knocks him unconscious. He gives him the uh, old one-two. Yeah. <laughs> like he Mind you, right now. The yeah. right and the left. <laughs> back to back. Yeah. He's a boxer. Uh, he doesn't have his lightsaber right now, by the way. Those guards took it from him when... Um, when they apprehended him and they remarked that like, Oh, the boss is going to like this, you know? So, uh, Obi-Wan does not have his lightsaber, but after he knocks the guard out with the old heave ho, he takes the guards blaster and, um, three, uh, three Mandalorian death watch soldiers are approaching him at this point via the air. And Obi-Wan gets really nasty with the blaster and takes him out. And he does a really cool thing. So he shoots one, 
right? So he shoots one, so then there's still two flying, and they're flying him because they got their jetpacks. So what he does is he takes the jetpack off the after off the unconscious shoulder shoulder that he just knocked out. Why wow, I'm getting tongue ugh, I'm getting tongue twisted here. He takes the jetpack off of him and he shoots it at these two approaching um, Mandalorians, and then he fires his blaster and blows it up and takes them both out at the same time. This large explosion. It's a very cool scene. Obi Wan is a real. I mean. Now he's not really being peacekeeper. I mean, Satine must just be horrified well, just, by what she's seeing. He just goes out a fight. He's, yeah. Again, he's not reveling in it. He's I know he's not. Himself. But 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 like if Satine was that disturbed by him, like kicking somebody in the face that was literally like apprehending her. Like I can only imagine yeah. how she feels when she sees two fucking Concordian Mandalorians just blown up by an exploding jetpack. You know, she must have just been like, oh, God. Um. So and then another Death Watch guy attacks. He's like the commander of those ones. He's the one that sent them in. Um, And Satine manages to distract him. Um, And while um, Satine is distracting him, Obi-Wan knocks him unconscious. So Obi-Wan is just kicking the shit out of all these approaching Mandalorian guards. Um, Then another one comes in. He's like, hey, I'm going to deal with this. And this is like, I don't know uh, if that last guy was the commander. This guy's commander number two. I don't know. There's a lot of guys that are, I was like, oh, that must be the commander. Oh, no, that one must be the commander. So the head death watch guy says that he's going to deal with this. He comes in and as he's walking up with a few other ones, he sees this one guy kind of like struggling to get up. This last one that Obi-Wan knocked unconscious because he's knocked a lot of them unconscious. But uh, he shoots him <laughs> as the guy's trying to get up. He shoots this Mandalorian guard and calls him a failure. So he just like executes this guy just for getting like knocked out by a Jedi. Calls and him a failure. You can tell this this guy that is approaching and shoots this guy. He's he, there's something different about him. His outfit, yeah. his armor. He has the Death Watch upside yeah. down monster energy logo. Upside. He's also down doing on the helmet. Yeah, he's doing he's, half cape thing where he's got cape over half yep. of one of the shoulders, but not the other one. And it's got the um, Death Watch logo on that. He's a good branding yeah. guy. He's and also brand by the down. voice, you can tell that this was the guy that was talking to Dooku earlier. Um, so this must be the head guy. So after Obi-Wan's knocked out a few guys that I thought were the head guy, this is the head guy for sure. And then he takes off his helmet and reveals himself. And who does it happen to be but this audio clip? Governor? It's the For governor. generations, my ancestors fought proudly as warriors against the Jedi. Now, that woman tarnishes the very name Mandalorian. Defend her, if you will. That's him throwing the lightsaber to Obi-Wan. This lightsaber was stolen from your Jedi temple by my ancestors during the fall of the Old Republic. Since then, many Jedi have died upon its blade. It's a black handle saber. All right, so lightsaber fight. Ensues between Governor Visla, who happens to be the head of the Death Watch, and Obi Wan Kenobi. And uh, Governor Visla has the Black Mandalore saber. This is this is, the same saber from the Mandalorian? This is the very same. This is okay. the first time we get to see the dark saber, and that's been since. This is the first time it's ever appeared in any kind of Star Wars like property. And since this moment, it's appeared in a ton of shit. Like in Rogue One, it's mentioned um, in in comics. It's mentioned in Star Wars Rebels. It's mentioned 
and there's actually quite a bit of story about it with in in Star Wars Rebels, and then in the Mandalorian, obviously, especially in this last season. Yeah, it's a and if big, you haven't seen big it, plot point. You've probably seen it if you're listening to this podcast, but if you haven't, it looks kind of like a black katana. Yes, only it's a lightsaber, and it it has like a ripples of. Uh, not lightning, but it's like it's lines of white that kind of ripple around it. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a jet black katana, but on the edges of it, it's white with rippling energy yeah. effect. Yeah, it's a very it's a very snazzy looking lightsaber. And very, so very cool looking. There's a lot more to the story. But so way back when there was one Mandalorian and I can get in. We are already going way long in this, so I'll keep it short. <laughs> but there's one Mandalorian named Tar Visla, and he was so far Tar Visla. Tar Visla related to Governor Visla. Then uh, that's debatable. So Tar Visla was the only known Mandalorian to become a Jedi. He was Force sensitive, and he became a Jedi. And this was the lightsaber that he made when he was a Jedi and when uh, there were subsequent battles between the Mandalorians and the Republic, they laid siege to the Jedi temple and they retrieved that dark saber from the Jedi temple archives Um, in that Jedi or or that dark saber kind of became the fill in for, I think you had mentioned Revan found the, the helmet uh, and that was kind of the symbol of the leader of Mandalore. This Darksaber took the place of that when they retrieved it from the Jedi Temple. So okay. it's kind of seen as whoever holds the Darksaber is the leader of the Mandalorians. Sure. Yeah, the mask was the mask of Mandalore the Ultimate, who died at the hands of Revan. Um, in the war that Revan took place before he turned to the dark side. But um, Revan did lead a crusade against the Mandalorians, along with Malak, his apprentice, who became Darth Malak. Anyways, sorry. Um, We we have to do a lore cast on, like, Revan and some of the Mandalorian shit. We got to do a lore cast on it. But Plagueis first. We're waiting on you, Adam. We are waiting on you. I'm up to page 34. Ah, this sucks. I really (laughs) want to do a bonus episode. You're killing me here, man. Do I have to just we'll do it on my it. own? No, right. we'll get it. All right. So Governor Visla uh, and Kenobi fight in a little lightsaber battle. Uh, Obi-Wan is clearly the superior swordsman here. Uh, Visla is pretty aggressive, but Obi-Wan with his patented de- uh, defense technique uh, really just kind of staves him off pretty easily. <laughs> I love Obi-Wan's uh, two fingers out. Yeah, he does the two finger stance as, as he's about to attack. It's fucking great. Um, so Obi-Wan kind of kicks his ass. He knocks him back. And then, uh, Visla tries to jetpack Adam and he gets a fucking show Ryukin from, uh, Obi-Wan. Like, so, so far in this episode, we've had Obi-Wan do the Liu Kang, like bicycle kick style thing, the flying kick. And now he also did a show Ryukin with the uppercut dragon punch that he pulls on, um, on Visla. So you'll hear Ryu at one sixteen twenty. Show Ryukin. Show Ryukin. Show Ryukin. Um, and Visla is a total soy because as soon as he realizes Obi Wan is just like kicking his ass and he's no match for him, he sicks three of his warriors on him. Um, and they all shoot heat seeking missiles at Obi Wan. 
So Obi-Wan grabs the teen and they bail down the elevator shaft that they came in. So there's this like massive explosion above them as they're falling down this elevator shaft and um, they escape that way. Um, so the battle is actually over at this point. Um, they don't uh, the Mandalorians do not pursue them any further. Um, and the next scene, we're back on Mandalore um, and Obi-Wan and Satine are kind of discussing the day's events. And we get this. Obvious the Separatists are supporting the Death Watch. I disagree. I told you I wanted to stay out of this conflict. Given the current situation, I'm afraid that may no longer be possible. I thought you of all people would understand my position on this matter. I will never be a part of this war. Okay. Um, and then... Who shows up for half a second? (laughs) But it's Anakin Skywalker says, hello, I'm here for escort duty. And Anakin and Obi-Wan have a quick Anakin Obi-Wan style quip. I don't know. I watched it five days ago. I can't remember what it was. It was just Um, Obi-Wan saying, oh, am I glad to see you? (laughs) Finally, someone who makes me look very peaceful. Um, (laughs) Wait till Satine sees you in action, buddy. Um, And... uh, they all get on Satine's ship and takes off, take off. So Anakin and Obi-Wan are heading out with Satine, and they're doing some escort duty. And that's where we left off on this episode. So uh, what do we got for an IMDb on the Mandalore plot? Yes, the Mandalore plot did a slight uptick from last week. Uh, this comes in at 8.1. So right. just for frame of reference... Uh, landing at Point Rain, which was really up there at an 8.2. So this is coming close to a really high-rated episode. Yeah, landing at Point Rain was fucking sweet. Um, I love this episode. I really did. I thought it was great. Um, I really like it. Yep. Yeah, a lot of Obi-Wan. We get the cool Mandalorian saber that we get to see. Governor Visla. I don't know about that guy, but... Eh. You know, he's a he, he could be a potential good baddie. He's got he's got potential. We'll say that um, we got Dooku on a hollow. We got Obi-Wan cheating on Ventress. We got it all in this episode, man. We got Mandalorian armor. We got a Beskar manufacturing facility um, and we get to see Mandalore. We never got to see Mandalore before. And it's fucking Minecraft land. It's all fucking great. I love this episode. This was probably in my top five thus far. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Awesome. What do you got? Yeah, I'm I'm similar. Like the first time I watched this, I was enthralled. I was just so in in. I followed the same kind of thinking that you did when you first got to the planet and Obi Wan got out and you started walking through the through the city. I was like, oh my god, this is Mandalore. Like I had no I had no frame of reference. Just kind of the curveball that was thrown. It's just great. Like, I love building on top of that lore that we've heard about for so long. So I give it a a 7.5. Okay, a 7.5 and an 8. So we are in cahoots this week. We both dig. We dig. We test. Always look on the light side of life. All right. um, Light side moment of the week. Uh, for me, it is actually the Duchess's uh, like throne room of sorts. I liked it a lot. I thought it looked great. I thought it was a really cool set design. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like natural light coming in there. 
and she's got that cool Picasso painting on the wall. I don't know. It just all seemed regal and it kind of set the yeah. tone for who the Duchess is. So I dug it. I think I think it added to her character. So, yeah, the set design of I'm the very, Duchess's throne room. I I debated having this be my light side moment, but I wrote the design. Like, I just thought that everything that they did with Mandalore was perfect. And there's a couple of behind the scenes things online that you can find where the designers are talking about how a lot of concepts they took from Boba Fett himself um, in Boba Fett's armor. Um, like the, the ships that the Mandalorians travel in, they have wings that kind of fold over and they're a weird kind of shape. And that's, they're designed in the same kind of outline as Boba Fett's cheekbones on his helmet. And Boba Fett's weird kind of sternum armor plate, you can see that in a lot of, like, the windows in that type of thing. So they really went the extra mile when it came to designing and giving the Mandalorian capital kind of character in that type of thing. Yeah, and... They owed it to it because of all you've heard about the Mandalorians leading into this, like they had to hit it out of the park with the design and they completely surprised me with the way they went with the design, but it worked and I thought it was really, really cool. So yes, the design was awesome. There is, um, let me look it up. Uh, there is a specific, so you're absolutely right that that portrait of the Duchess is, uh, kind of taking from Picasso. Um, but there are a bunch of other Mandalorian uh, portraits and pictures kind of in the background scenes. And they're all taking from Picasso's cubism, which I think is super cool. I have no idea who came up with that concept, um, but there's a really, really cool portrait in uh, uh, Visla's kind of dining room when he's having drinks with Satine. In the background, you can see this kind of strange black and white picture. And the the portrait is actually of uh, it's actually of Tar Visla, the Jedi Mandalorian. But it's very kind of cubist, and there's it's a whole scene being played out. And it's based off of this one Picasso painting called uh, Guernica. Is um, Dave Filoni a big Picasso stand or something? I don't know, but it, it was very purposeful. And it was, Dave Filoni talks about he wanted this, one of his biggest regrets is it's passed over very quickly. This one painting, or this one paint picture that is based on Guarnica. Okay. Uh, it was really cool. Like top to bottom, this is probably as far as set design goes and just kind of the art. It's just completely unique. It's very yeah. of its own thing. Yeah, and I really enjoyed like being, you know, at first in Geonosis, it was cool. There was a lot of cool stuff on, on Geonosis for this like desert planet, but that was already like a set place. Like they didn't have to come up with anything there really. Like it was already in Attack of the Clones. Like this was wholly unique on another level. Like this is this was really cool. And as we start to see like more planets possibly that we've heard about or just new planets altogether, like I'm kind of looking forward to see what they do with them. So it's cool. It was a very cool episode. If you only knew the power of the dark side. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Dark side moment of the week. Um, 
God, it's tough to it's really tough to pick a dark side in these great episodes. I know. So Pot it down. Um, gosh, dark side moment of the week. Uh, I think it's going to be the Death Watch logo, which is like that weird gothic <laughs> monster. It's just kind of corny. Like yeah. it just looks stupid. Yeah, and I'm also trying to figure out how you can plant a bomb and then leave a hologram in its remnant in its in its place. Like in the, it, it's just. It does look like Death Watch is sponsoring the X Games yeah. on Mandalore. Yeah, like they all do the do over on Concordia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that stupid Death Watch logo is my dark side moment of the week. What's yours? Uh, mine was just the suicide bomber, <laughs> or not, not well, not necessarily suicide bomber in the way that we know it, but the bomb that went off and then the guy that committed suicide in such a beautiful city. It was such a bummer to see that that type of stuff still happens. Totally understandable. I hear you there. I feel that. Thank you, Rex. All right, Dark Horse Hero of the Week. Oof. Gosh, you know, there's not a ton of characters in this episode. I really, really struggled with, with Dark yeah. Horse Hero this week. I mean, there is a fair amount of characters in this episode, but we've only mentioned like four or five of them. And like we, a can't, lot of them... we can't go with like the Duchess or Obi-Wan. Or Vizsla. Your, your or obvious Vizsla. ones. I'm going to go with this advisor guy to Duchess Satine, who drops in like two lines. And especially at the end of the episode where Obi-Wan's like, well, it's obvious that the Separatists are in league here. And he says something like, well, I don't know about that. And he's just kind of like this, You're talking. this little wormy guy. He's this little wormy guy. So, he's my Dark Horse Zero of the Week. We didn't even mention him because there's so much in the episode. Well, there's but two. the wormy guy. There's two. So there's Prime Minister Almec. And then there's... A Not new, him. Okay. Wormy guy. The wormy guy is... <laughs> Who's the wormy guy? We're going we're gonna to get plenty more of him. Oh, in, really? In, in more episodes. But his name is Tall Merrick. He's a... Tall Merrick? Uh, I believe he's a senator? Or he he's some high-ranking official in Mandalore. Okay, so I googled wormy guy Clone Wars, and the first result was the brain worm from Geonosis. Don't, don't look <laughs> further into it, because he's All voiced right. by someone that I'm going to ask you about. Ugh, okay, uh, but yeah, Tall Almic, is it? Yep. Okay, he's my, Tall, he's my Tall dark horse. Tall Merrick. Paul Merrick is my dark horse here of the work for just being kind of a wormy guy. So, yeah. Who's yours? Mine is... I'm going with Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> just because I'm happy that he has minded his own business for the last, like, three episodes. Yeah. And he kind of just showed up. He could tell he was having a good day. He was like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> he was finally, like, nice to Obi-Wan for once. I don't know. He must not have had nightmares the night before or something. I don't know. You know, yeah. But, yeah, he had a nice, for, as far as, like, Anakin, you know, as far as what we've been subjected to from him, like, this was easily the most digestible Anakin scene in the series <laughs> yes, so far. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Let's give Anakin a little credit where it's due. He didn't suck this week. <laughs> Granted, he was only in the episode for 10 seconds, but he didn't suck. So that's the, that's the way to best have Anakin. It's just in oh. small doses like that. Absolutely. You die in childbirth. So uncivilized. He dies. He dies. All right. Death of the week. 
I mentioned it earlier. Honestly, I was debating not even doing Death of the Week this week, but we didn't do it last week, and I really did laugh a lot at the guy as he threw himself off the balcony. Oh, yeah. There's no not contest. The, not, like, the scene itself is actually kind of powerful, and it's a very symbolic suicide that he commits. But the plop when he hits the ground, I laughed. <laughs> I burst out loud laughing. It was, I rewound it. It was hilarious. It's just like, plap, plap. It's fucking great. So that's oh, my death yeah. of the week. There's no, there no contest. That was as soon as I saw that, I was reminded of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's death of, death of the week with a bullet. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. Okay, so it's not Palpatine, who are you this week, but I have to guess a voice actor because you told me you wanted to do this. And yep. I'm assuming you're going to go with Governor Visla. Pre Visla, yes. All right. Um, all right. So I initially said like Fred Armisen or Bill Hader, but then I kind of thought about it some more and I was like, all right, let's, let's start in the Star Wars universe. People associated with Star Wars. Um, and so I get one hint, right? Yes. Okay. Is this man the epic MMA brother from Four Christmases? Yes, yes, he is. It's John Favreau. <laughs> yes, it is. I got it. Right. Now, did you get it without actually looking it up? Just trying to look it up. Okay. No, I just kind of thought about it and I was like, oh, wait, I think I have an idea who it is. And it's like a Mandalore episode and he does the Mandalorian. Like, he is the guy for the Mandalorian. Yeah, he's completely responsible for the Star Wars resurgence. Like, he's he's a genius. He's a yes. wonderful director. He really is. And he is great in the Marvel Universe, too. Anything he's touched in Marvel is gold. He apparently, I, I forget exactly what it was, but he he went to, I can't remember if it was for the Mandalorian or for Iron Man, but he he went to whoever was in charge of Marvel or Star Wars, and he was like, listen, I will do this for almost no money. That's and awesome. He almost, he, he barely took a, a check for it, because he was like... I just want to do this. And I'm sure he put in a bunch of stipulations in his sure. like contract that he'll get residuals and whatever. So I'm sure he made out pretty well for it. But he just he was so committed to the story that he was all in. And I think he really I, I think the story goes he really advocated for he wanted to do one of the new Star Wars movies. And he could tell that that was just not going to happen. Like they mm -hmm. were Kathleen Kennedy and Disney were just like, no, we're, we're Why? going, we're going with someone else. JJ uh, Abrams. Yeah. And they, so they wanted Abrams. I, guess. I think they just wanted a sure thing. And I think Favreau has a different kind of style that they just didn't want to go with for star Wars. He's got a good track record at this point though. And so I think somehow either, I, th I think he is the one that came up with like, okay, well, what else, what else in star Wars are you guys working on? Like what else, what else is there? And I think someone threw out the idea of like, okay, so someone's throwing around this idea of doing like a TV show for Disney plus where it's like a Boba Fett Western type thing. And John Favreau is like, I'll take it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'll do, I'll do that. I'll, I will do that. And he just latched himself onto Dave Filoni and studied the material, 
and new as shit. And he's made a wonderful TV show. <laughs> yeah, between it's a really Dave great Filoni show. and and John Favreau, like it's it's phenomenal. Well, and you could tell it's, is there a it's, good example of what Star Wars really needs? Yeah, because you can tell that they love it. They love the content. Like, and they love talking about it and they love telling stories in this universe. And that's what people need. It needs talented people to tell these stories that actually love these stories. Well, and people that understand the lore in the yeah. background. Well, yes, that's important too. To use but, it. Yes, that's important too. But that goes along hand in hand with loving it. If you love it, you're going to learn about it, you know, and it's just, it's great. I like it. You know, it, I think those two are really fucking awesome at what they do. And they seem to bring the best out of the Star Wars universe. I really dig. I yeah. dig. I test. Oh, I dig. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I, I knew that voice like right away. I was like, holy shit. I know that voice. And I immediately thought Fred Armisen for some reason. But then it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. That's it. Mandalorian. This makes sense. Um, I don't know. Like, I love John Favreau, but his voice was kind of off putting to me at first with go the governor. I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, Cause he's yep. kind of got the lisp, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> when he takes off his helmet, he's like, you hear that voice. I'm just like, ah, I'm taking this guy very seriously right now. <laughs> but the great thing is like, I've seen John Favreau play characters that are just like the most chud ass characters ever. And I totally buy in like the MMA brother. Yeah. Um, I think it's just with Favreau's voice. I have to see him. And not Visla. Like, Visla looks like a pretty boy to me, yep. you know? And so it just kind of it was off-putting to me. But, hey, going forward, I'm pretty excited to see what Visla does because I think John Favreau's great. So it's going to be cool. And your next voice challenge is going to be your old pal, your wormy guy, Tal Merrick. Is he going to be in next week's episode? I, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying to guess Wormy. And I definitely know who Wormy guy is played by. Uh, you'll probably know the guy. But I've, I've, I'm a fan of something he's been in. Yeah. Okay. We'll All say right, yes. So, so we'll get to Wormy Guy next time we see Wormy Guy. <laughs> All right. What do we got for a tagline? All right. This week we have... If you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future. And your guess was, I think there is going to be some sort of circumstance Circumstance in a battle that harkens back to something that happened in a previous war in millennia's past. And Anakin will ignore the history of it all and he'll get his ass kicked in a fight. <laughs> all right. So Anakin was barely in the episode and we actually credited his performance this week. So yeah. I was off. Well, in it, but but I think last week when you guessed that, I was like, did you look at the title of the next episode? I because, did briefly, but then it like slipped my mind again. Yeah, so. because like the whole reason why the, the surface of Mandalore is decimated is from a uh, past battle from millennia's yeah. past. So sure. Yeah, but it, it had nothing to do with that, I guess. Right. So, yeah. Uh, what do we got next week for a tagline? Next week we have... Fear not for the future. Weep not for the past. Okay, Yoda. Um, <laughs> uh, fear not for the future. Weep not for the past. Uh, I think it's going to be like a live in the moment uh, type thing. Uh, we saw a lot of that with Master Sunube, Tara Sunube last week uh, with Ahsoka. So I think we're going to get a young Padawan, possibly Ahsoka. Maybe Barris will return. Um, who's struggling thinking about the future or dealing with the past and needs to keep themselves centered and in the moment in order for a successful mission of some kind. So we're going to have a young learning Jedi that needs to center themselves in the present. 
Awesome. Okay. In next week's episode, we're still in order. So it's season two, episode 13. The title is Voyage of Temptation. Ooh, Obi-Wan. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, and he's on. Oh, my God. He's on a transport ship with Satine right now. It's a love boat, baby. Oh, it's. Oh, what's that show where everybody gets on the island and gets horny? Uh, Paradise <laughs> Island. <laughs> We're going to get a reality show next week. This is great. I can't wait. Can I just say how much I love this fucking show? This it's is so great. It's great. Do you oh, have any idea you would love it this much when we started this thing? Oh my God, I'm reading every Star Wars book on the earth. Like, I've always been, I mean, I've always been a Star Wars fan, but I never, like, my my detailed fandom was within, like, Lord of the Rings and Star Trek. Like, Star Wars was a fan, loved the movies and everything, loved the Mandalorian. But now I'm just like, I think Star Wars is, like, passing those other things for me, which is saying a lot. And it's all due to this goddamn kids show. It's oh, insane. Oh, we got Minutia, baby. Oh, God, I can't wait to see this history between Satine and Obi-Wan. And then Ventress is going to show up and she's going to try to kill Satine. But Satine's going to be like, no, I'm a pacifist. And then Obi-Wan's going to have to save her. <laughs> and Ventress is going to try to decapitate Obi-Wan. I got it all planned out in my this head. Is gonna it's going to be great. This is the sexiest love triangle we've ever seen. <laughs> the, the, the voyage of temptation. God, this is great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Calm down, Obi-Wan, sir. You are the good guy. You're not supposed to be getting horny. That's for Anakin. I don't know, Obi-Wan. We're, we're going to see a whole new side of him. I mean, this 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 stout, regal man from Stujan is about to get horny with Satine. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> Hopefully this is a good horny episode, though, because the last horny episode was Senate Spy, and that literally made me want to run my head through a fucking wall. That was Gungan Jedi general shit, whatever the fuck. Bombad Jedi. That's the level of shit that we were on last time they got horny. Anyways. Sorry. Okay. I've been, I, I got very excited. It sounds like I'm on Coke right now. I'm so excited about this next book. Like if I, if I keep talking like this for another two minutes, do you think I'll start telling you about my restaurant ideas? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, Adam, where can our hey, baby, listeners reach us? Please reach out to us. Yeah, for the love of God, please. Uh, at clonecastpod at gmail.com. Also Twitter and Instagram. Clonecastpod, same name. Anywhere else? Any other plugs you got? No. Uh, oh, oh, oh! You got to vote for us in the poll. I'm gonna put it in. I'm gonna put it in the long description. Got to po- vote for us in the top Star Wars podcast poll. Check the long description. Right in the Clonecast. Vote for us. We'll see you next week for Voyage of Temptation. And until then, may the Manicotti headdress be with you. Never hear the tragedy of Crispin's day.